everyone. Welcome to episode 144, the hardest workout you'll ever do. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. How about that for a alluring title? So I would say probably the hardest workout I've ever done in my life, other than when we did three-a-days in college for soccer, those were insane during preseason. That was just a lot. It was just so much. It was three times a day. We would meet at 6 a.m., then like at 11 a.m., and then like 4 p.m. for two hours each session. Those were hard workouts just because of the length, and it was just so much playing soccer and so much running around the track and sprints and things like this. So I would say the hardest workout I've ever done outside of that is Insanity by Shanti. They say you get a year's worth of going to the gym results in 60 days, and let me tell you, that is for show. Now, that's not the type of workout I'm talking about. I actually don't even want to bring this up because sometimes people put up a wall immediately when I even say the M word. And that word, which is one of the hardest workouts you'll ever do, but it's the greatest way to find peace, is through, drum roll please, meditation. Oh my goodness. It is so hard to do because it's so hard to settle the mind. It's one thing to have to like push through your mind and be like, all right, we're going to do this workout. We're going to do this workout. Like when you're going for a run or something like that. But when you have to tell the brain to do the opposite, to become very inactive when it's used to going a mile a minute, and especially if you have any sort of ADD or you're on the spectrum like I am with my ADD, I mean, I have a attention span of a mosquito. And that, I think a mosquito would beat me, okay? So when I first started doing meditation, I would do it and because I was like supposed to do it and like everybody told me to do it and then I would go to do it. I'm like, I can't meditate. I can't, I, I'm, not, I'm not cut out for this. So I told myself for years, I'm just not good at it. I'm just not good at it. Well, hello, Kelly McFly. How do you become good at anything is through practice. Practice makes permanent. I knew that conceptually, but to actually go do it, it was like painful. Because my brain was just so used to being so scattered and on the go and I was addicted to busy and I was like, ding, 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 ding. That was the way my brain worked. It was like someone flipping through the channels and they just never stopped. It was like flip, 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 flip. Lily was working through a lot of anxiety like when first, second grade. And I was like, maybe I should learn it for her. Not to teach it to her, but like maybe I need to chill out a little bit. Because if I chill out, then maybe she'll chill out a little bit. And we did a program called Go Zen, which I highly recommend. And it made her anxiety a non-issue when it was very, very difficult for both of us. Because I didn't know what to do and she didn't know what to do. And David was looking at me for what to do. And I'm like, I don't know. So then we did the Go Zen program together as a family. Just knowing the different things to say and the different terminology that they use was so helpful. And so I was like, I'm doing Go Zen with her, but maybe I should take it a step further. Maybe her nervousness is coming from me. I was so nervous about her nervousness. So it was like I was having anxiety over her anxiety. I was like walking on eggshells because she was walking on eggshells. And then I was blaming her. It was her fault. Like, what? No, Kelly. No, no, no. So I took a class and I remember thinking, I'm just not good at it. I'm just not good. I told myself over and over and over. 
I remember going to the class and it was a very expensive class, I have to say. And it was all about having a mantra word and having like when your brain goes off into the ditch pretty much of just like, I got to do this, because once you start to do it, your brain is going to spaz the spaz out. It's going to go into overdrive with spazzing. And it's kind of realizing how to get comfortable with your brain spazzing out and just constantly calming the brain. And so they teach like a mantra word. It's a nonsensical word. I really like using kale, kind, abundant, loving energy. I don't know where that came from. It came to me one time during meditation, during thinking time, during prayer time. And I have literally hung on to that. And sometimes I don't say the whole thing. I'll just say kale because my brain knows what kale stands for. Now, I can't tell you what the mantra word is or what that word is. When I first started, before I even took the class, I actually used the app for guided meditation called Insight Timer. Even though it was helping me, it was guiding me through the meditations, it helped me because it helped teach my brain what we're supposed to do during this time. Because I would just sit there and I'd be like, I have to laundry to do, then I have to clean up the pencil sharpener, and then I have to make sure that I get that at the store, and they need to read on Tuesday, and then I have to sign that permission slip. And it just starts to spaz out. So guided meditation helped me. It was an app called Insight Timer. I'm pretty sure it's free. You can do one minute, you can do five minutes, you can do 10 minutes, you can do it based on a different topic. Like if you're wanting, having more peaceful thoughts, you want to have better sleep, you want to have a better relationship with your mother-in-law. It just focuses on calming the brain and just, it's almost like our brain is on fire all the time. And so it just kind of puts the fire out a little bit and makes it turn into like embers. And like I always told my students when they would come down to my office, I'd always say, I can't make your problems disappear and go away, but I can just make them go from like a foot long sub to like a three inch sub or like a two inch sub or sometimes even a six inch sub. I mean, cutting it a problem in half so it's more manageable and doesn't feel so big and scary and hairy. It helps the child. It also helps us to like chill. Just like, that's very hard for me. I don't know if you picked that up on my energy, but that's very hard for me. So when I took the class, they said something that really like made sense. I was like, well, maybe this is why I'm paying all the money because that really makes sense to me. They said, when you're not meditating, your brain is like the top of the water on the ocean. And it's just very going with the flow of the current and it changes and it just, you know, you're kind of like living in a reactive way of living versus a proactive way of living. And they said, when you meditate, it's like you're the person bobbing at the top of the ocean. And when you meditate, you teach the brain how to go down into the deep, 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 dark parts of the ocean where it's the most calm, most peaceful. I've never been a scuba diver, but I have friends that have done it. And they said, when you're down there, it's like the most peaceful, tranquil, beautiful, still, and the quiet is unbelievable. I remember them drawing it on the whiteboard. They said, when you meditate, you teach your brain how to go down and go down to the depths of the brain and the calm energy of where the underneath the ocean is. And it helps stir up some of that sand. And what happens is when they stir up that sand, a lot of that sand will reach and kind of float up to the top with you. And so you teach the brain to go down and then back up and down, back up and kind of like get that goodness and bring it up to the surface. And I was like, that is such a powerful visual, you know me and my analogies, of what meditation does. Because I always thought meditation was supposed to help me like in the moment. You know, if I did it at six in the morning, then it's going to help me feel good between six and six fifteen. What it actually does is it teaches your brain, like they talked about, to carry that, let's say you do from six to six fifteen and you get that that sand and you get it to the surface, that stays with you throughout the day. So then when you have the dog barking and the phone ringing and the child crying, the dinner burning all going at once, it's like your brain at that point can slow down everything that's happening around you. It's still happening, but it's almost like 
it's happening around you, but it's not happening to you. You're almost like a witness to your own life. You're in that helicopter looking above like, wow, this is a lot going on at once. But you're not so reactive to everything that's going on. You're still present within it. You're not like you just go and sit in the bathtub and be like, I don't know what's going on out there. But it's a way almost like to watch it in slow-mo. And it takes so much practice. And it takes so much daily maintenance of doing it. But when you train the brain to do it, it starts to crave it. And I remember Shalene Johnson saying one time, and this was like, all right, I am literally signed, sealed, and delivered and hooked. I'm hooked on phonics after she said this. She said, and I don't know where she heard it. I always like to credit people where I heard things, but then I don't know if she was the originator of this thought. This was like, oh my goodness. She said, when you pray, you're talking to God, which is very important. And then when you meditate, God is talking to you. And I was like, what? Mic drop. Are you kidding me? Sign me up, buttercup. Let's go. And so what happens over time is when you go to spend time with yourself, you will feel so uncomfortable. It's almost like being on a first date with someone you don't know because you're getting to know yourself. As we've grown and as we evolve from babyhood to our adulthood, we spend so much of our childhood appeasing and trying to get affirmations outside of us and trying to get the grades and trying to get the people to like you and trying to get your parents to like you and trying to get the teachers to like you and trying to make the teams and get the home runs and get the touchdowns. And we're trying to do all these things outside of us to feel worthy and valuable. And it's all externally focused. And that's part of the human experience is that that's part of the being a child is they're looking external for their value and their worthiness. So they go first to their parents. Do my parents like me? Do they love me? Okay, let's go to the next check mark and the next check mark and the next check mark. So you can see how the child is spending so much time outside of themselves to figure out if they're worthy and they're valuable. Well, what happens is when you're an adult, you do that same thing. We do that same thing. And then we don't use our parents as much. We might use our child. We might use our husband or our wife or our girlfriend or our boyfriend or our greedy girdy grandpappy to make us feel valuable and worthy and whole. And we're looking externally still to fill that kind of H-O-L-E hole. But the ironic part is that they're doing the same thing to us. So your spouse is playing that same game because they have been trained. And trained is the wrong word, but they just been conditioned to look outside of themselves. So your kids are doing it to you. Your spouse is doing it to you. Your parents, even if you've grown and flown, they're doing it to you. If you have in-laws, your in-laws are doing it to you as you're doing it to them too. It's so wild. But when we just realize like we're all doing it, it's like, oh, I'm a human. You're a human. We're all trying to figure this out together. Let's just slow this roll and let's just love people for who they are and meet them where they are and not try to change and mold people to make them fit into our mold because we know that we don't like to be molded and adjusted and primped and prodded. So we know that other people don't like that as well. So what happens with meditation is you learn to have that relationship with yourself When you first start doing it, it's like going on a first date with someone you don't know. And then the next day you're like, okay, this is a little less awkward. It's a little less awkward. And then you're dating and then you're in a committed relationship. Then you feel more comfortable doing it. And it just takes so much time and practice. And you might have to go on a hundred first dates before it feels normal and feels comfortable. But your brain will try to stop you every single stinking honking time, just like it does 
when you go to, for me, it's when I go to do any type of housework whatsoever. It's like, you don't need to do this. Not a big deal. You can do it later. Baba, 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 baba. Sometimes it might be with exercise. I go for a run. My brain will come up and be like, no, you don't need to do this. Just take a break. You're getting so old. You don't need to keep running. You don't need to press and play on those workouts. Who do you think you are? You don't need to lift all those weights. Come on. Let's just go back to bed. Let's just go in the air conditioning. It's getting hot. It's becoming summer. These are all the chatter. So you just allow the chatter and you coexist with the chatter instead of riding the rainbow of the chatter. So when you meditate, you get a better relationship with yourself and then you're not so needy and graspy in your other relationships outside of yourself, looking for your value and your worthiness outside of you. You're now having a relationship with yourself and that's evolving and that's growing. And then because it's growing and evolving and you feel more of a connection, when you are dating someone and you're getting to know them and you're falling in love, you want to do nice things for them to express your love. The same thing works with our relationship with ourselves. When we start to date ourselves and spend time with ourselves, we start to fall in love with who we are, flaws and all, because we're all flawed and we're all awesome. We're all flossom. And what happens is that relationship develops and you start doing nice things for yourself because you love yourself, flaws and all. Not egocentric, not a narcissist, but it's kind of like when you're in a relationship and you start, you're just getting to know someone. You're like, hey, I really like you. I'm going to do X, Y, Z for you to express my love for you. So when you start to get to know yourself, you're like, hey, I really like you. I'm going to start expressing my love for you, even though it's with yourself. So the other stuff happens more organically and you're not so consumed with getting outside of spending time with yourself and getting outside of your relationship with yourself, with buffering, with drinking or Facebook or social media and trying to get away from yourself because you actually enjoy your own company. You're not trying to run from yourself. And meditation helps you get that relationship stronger and stronger and stronger. And just like with any relationship, how relationships grow is with time and thinking nice things about each other and treating each other nicely. The same thing works with our relationship with ourselves. So when you meditate, you get to know yourself better and you're not so excited to get away from yourself, but you actually want to spend time with yourself more. And then in turn, you treat yourself nicer. You talk to yourself nicer. And then in turn, you're not looking outside of yourself to fill those H-O-L-E-S, but you're able to do it from the in to the out versus the out to the in. I love you guys. Practice meditation day in and day out until you're 99. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.